are you then? I'm the doctor. Me too, if I ever pass my exams. Doctor? Captain? My name isn't important. There's someone else. His name is the doctor. He has saved your lives so many times and you never even knew he was there. Mr. Shakespeare, isn't it? You will be exterminated! He never stops. Dalek Khan. He never stays. Your entire species has been wiped out. He never asks to be thanked. Let me help you. He never raised his voice. The fury of the Time Lord. And then we discovered one. I'm not just the Time Lord. I'm the last of the Time Lord. You are not alone. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. The angels have the phone box. It's up to you now. Your life could depend on this. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast. Faster than you can believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away. And don't blink. Good luck. Hello, Alon Z, and welcome to the podcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. It's Who Do You Think You Are, our Doctor Who retrospective on Best Film Ever. I'm Ethan. And my name's Ian. And this is a really exciting episode because I checked the calendar, <laughs> and not because of the episode we're covering, but uh, this episode will come out on November 6th. So that means that a week ago, the first episode of Series 13 aired, and tomorrow for you guys, Episode 2 of Doctor Who Series 13 will air, which is a really timey-wimey thing for me to, to, to sort of comprehend because last episode we were like, wow, Russell T. Davies is back. This is new news. Ah, and within, true. Like, yeah. within an episode, uh, we've had uh, all of the promotion stuff happen, the trailer drop, the date drop within about a week. And there's just a massive gap between us being like, oh, that's the big, that's the big news now. And I haven't seen any of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's wild. I'm going to have like just the, a little quick tidbit because it's the strangest thing and we're, with Doctor Who. So, of course, um, about a week, two weeks ago for us, so about a month and a half ago for you guys, uh, Doctor Who decided they would uh, delete all of their social media accounts off the face of the planet, oh, their yes, Twitter, their yes, Facebook, yes. their YouTube. So for me, who was editing one of the episodes at the time where I needed clips for Doctor Who, uh, and there was nothing on YouTube, I went, something weird's going on. So the accounts got deleted about uh, 18 hours later in Liverpool, a load of random um, ads started popping up of, oh, you need to call this number if you see this strange uh, ship, which was a Sontaran ship. And if you call the number, it would go to voicemail, and it would say that you've reached the number of the Doctor. And she would ask you then to cite any alien sightings you'd seen, uh, all that kind of stuff. So you'd leave the voicemail, say what you saw, and then go off. Uh, a couple of days later, everything came back after uh, an advert that played before uh, Strictly Come Dancing saying, hey, everything terrible's happening. Sontarans, Weeping Angels, the Cybermen, Daleks. Hey, hey here's, uh, here's John Bishop as well. He's in the TARDIS today. Yeah, something, then, something uh, terrible is happening as you're watching Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, and then uh, a week later, uh, Jodie Whittaker does um, uh, the Graham Norton show, and uh, her final her final uh, thing. Uh, she just did the wrapping party for Doctor Who, and they released the trailer, and it's wild. It's a six part hour long episode epic, uh, hearkening to like the eighties era of Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Uh, this, 
this one series is going to span one story, uh, essentially right. telling something called The Flux, and we have no clue. Not, nothing has been known about this at all. So you're saying so, there was no flux given? No flux given whatsoever. But all we know is that it's uh, it's supposed to be like a movie, a six-hour movie. I'm, I'm holding hope. <laughs> didn't, I, didn't I see that? Wasn't it called Zack Snyder's Justice League? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping it will be a bit better quality than that, but um, uh, that's something that has aged kind of like it had this big boom. Nothing to get us off on too much of a thing, but it was this big thing, and we all went, oh maybe for, and like ever since it came, like, it has had no legacy. Like no, no one talks one. about it now. It's it's so weird. I had this big thing for like a week, three weeks, yeah. and then it's dissipated. Which I'm hoping uh, by the time this episode comes out. Uh, series 13 already hasn't and I, this is great because this is very timey-wimey uh trying to explain stuff that's happened uh in in our future but would have been your past if you're listening which is the perfect segue to get into the timiest wimiest episode we could possibly do blink by Stephen moffat our first series three episode which is without the doctor for most of it i would also say that it's also you know halloween's last the time this gets released halloween was less than a week ago and yeah. you get much more you know halloween centric or you know than the weeping angels yeah no it's it's perfect i will say a lot of episodes uh stuff is lined up perfectly for this and we'll have one that is exactly perfect in the future but no, uh, the Weeping Angels absolutely iconic. Um, I think one of the most terrifying Doctor Who things. I, before we recorded, I was watching some interviews with Stephen Moffat for some context, and uh, it's voted number three in the entire history of Doctor Who as one of the most scariest uh, villains. And this is out of uh, the revival and also the classic series, which is a big, a big uh, achievement. Let me guess the pantheon. Let me guess. This is number three scariest or number three best? Number three scariest and number two most iconic. Okay, I'm going to guess number one most iconic is the Daleks. Yeah. I'm going to guess. Um, I'm going to guess they're also ahead of it in scariest. Yeah. Oh. It's got to be the silence, right? The silence were number three. Uh, the gas mask mummies were number one for scariest. Oh, are you my mummy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, it's a, it's one of those Stephen solo Moffat. things, yeah. Yeah, but no, perfect by by Stephen Moffat, uh, who felt like a Moffat for, episode. Yeah, uh, who we've done for uh, the Gas Mask Mummy episode, yeah. and later on for eleven and twelve. Originally, actually, uh, this episode was based on a short story that Moffat wrote for a uh, Panini uh, Doctor Who annual. Uh, back in 2006, oh. which was called uh, My Summer by, uh, yes, What I Did on My Christmas Holidays by Sally Sparrow. So nothing to do with uh, with the summer. <laughs> and it chronicled uh, Sally Sparrow, age 12, uh, being told uh, via messages in the wallpaper and VHS tapes by the Ninth Doctor on how to help her because of a, uh, turns out, a weeping angel before he created Weeping Angels. Uh, which I think was is uh, is cute. He's actually adding to stuff that got him hired uh, in Doctor Who. Huh. Yeah. Actually, so Sally Sparrow huh. was a concept before anything. Yeah. So with that, I'm just going to go straight into it because we've got a, a lot of ground to cover today. Yeah, and if so, I blink, I might fall asleep. So let's <laughs> let's let's so, get this big ball of yeah. timey wimey stuff unraveled. 
So we start with a, a creepy house fence and a girl climbing over who would turn out to be Sally Sparrow. We have ominous music playing, a danger keep out sign, and the girl breaks into uh, a house through broken boards and takes photos of all of the damage with wallpaper that she tears off. And it reveals the words, beware the weeping angel and duck. Is it explained why she's taking wallpaper off? Uh, I think it's just because she sees the word, um, like the beginning of the word beware, uh, starting to be beneath the peeling wallpaper. <laughs> She's like, so it's, what else is underneath yeah. this? I don't understand. Why how- are they in the house? Has that been established? Oh, yeah. No, it's just there. She's it's, just there. It's, <laughs> it's funnier later on, like when you see everything uh, given to the doctor, it's like, oh, so I need to write this, this, and only peel it ever so slightly so she can see it. Yeah. Uh, and then it says duck, really duck. And then says her name, Sally Sparrow. So she ducks and then something's thrown at her from uh, beyond where she is. And she looks in the direction of where it was thrown. And it's a stone statue of an angel covering its face. She peels off the wallpaper and then it says love from the doctor. And we get the titles. This whole episode is one big bootstrap paradox after another. It's I love it. Which doctor who does love. But yeah. I love it, but it's so convoluted that at the end I was like, okay, so this, 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 and this yeah. needs to happen. So who did this? First? It's not linear. But that's the that's the nah. way they explain it away. Yeah. But it's it's very, very Doctor Who. Yes. But after titles, uh, Sally goes to her friend Kathy's house, and we see that the Doctor is on the TV saying uh, his big don't blink speech, but gets cut off. And this room is just covered in TVs with different parts of the Doctor's uh, speech on all the different TVs, all DVD, VHS type looking big ones. And uh, Sally calls her friend uh, who says that it's one in the morning and she tells us to come into the kitchen, uh, her own kitchen and not Sally's. And turns out that uh, Kathy's brother is about and walks in on Sally wearing no clothes at all. Oh, what a meat cute. This comes from the John oh. Pe- the John Barrowman playbook, I think. <laughs> well, he tried the naked man and <laughs> went out, went out, uh, two out of three times. So yeah. uh, then Kathy wants to know what happened to Sally because she looks completely shaken. And uh, it's the day later. They both go to investigate together. And uh, this is when Kathy says her last name of Nightingale because it's Sparrow and Nightingale together, which uh, Sally thinks is a bit ITV, which I think is cute. I think it's cute when they get to reference stuff that's technically their competitors. Yeah, it's kind of cute to riff on a bit. Go, yeah, it's a bit convoluted, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And this is what we find out of the reason Sally was in this old abandoned house because she likes old things because they make her sad. But they're happy to people who see them be deep, which, sure. This is the stupidest reason ever. We need a reason. It's, what was the it's reason? Very I like old things. Okay, great. So I'm just going to go That's into it and break into random old houses. See, like, if this was set nowadays, she'd be like, oh, I'm just urbexing, because this is like an actual thing people do. Break into old abandoned places, take photos, and, like, just I'd rather she, all these things. I'd rather she just said, because the plot needs me to. Yeah. Yeah. I was told by me from the future. Yeah, something. Maybe yeah. like like a matchbook that would be like go to this. I guess if you could warn yourself not to do it, I guess you wouldn't. But yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah. And uh it's broken, so that's why she looked around. Oh, this is it. Hang on, hang on. The doctor needs to get his TARDIS back. He could leave yeah. her the first clue that sends her there. Done. And you that explains thought, why but, she's there. Mm, you oh. 
Stephen Moffat is a hack. He'll never write anything again. I'm sure of it. No, he'll never do Doctor this Who. Is it. This to be is fair, it. I found out today Stephen Moffat's first Doctor Who episode was a, a comic relief special from 1999 featuring Rowan Atkinson, where they uh, have the Doctor regenerate into loads of different people. I've seen that. Which I've is seen that. Right. Yeah. I think that's absolutely hilarious. And, well, I just uh, pulled get- my own Sherlock and solved this case about Stephen Moffat and his lousy writing. <laughs> so. And we get another look at the Weeping Angel, but this time Sally says that it's uh, she's sure it's moved since the previous night. And as they're looking, the doorbell rings and Sally goes to investigate without Kathy. And as she opens the door, there's a man who says that he's been looking for Sally Sparrow. And he was told to bring a letter at this exact date and the exact time to Sally. Sure. I'm trying to wonder <laughs> why, why me. I'm trying to wonder why in, in the warning letter it doesn't say Antel Carol, whatever her name is, um, to come with you to the door. But I guess that creates a paradox then. And she really was happy and all that. Da, 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 da. So, all right. Yeah. It's necessary for, for story, I guess. Uh, but as Sally goes to investigate uh, the, the man with the letter, Kathy hears a sound and the angels moved yet again. And as she passes the angel, it's even lowered its hands from its face and it moves even closer as she passes the camera. I, I really do like the, the seamless trickery. I was going to say, I think we angels. need to talk about the actual device from the viewer's yeah. perspective of the moving yeah. statue. Because it's weird because theoretically we should be able to see the statues move because we we never yeah. but in the sense that it also makes us part of it because we have to stop watching them for them to move as well and so the trick works on us equally to them so i'm like decent and and the use of the facial features uh, especially when it's like snarling is yeah. always really good um the use of sound mixing uh in in these sequences is always top drawer so uh yeah, I think I'm not as big on the Weeping Angels as most people are, but I understand the appeal. I th- This isn't my favorite Weeping Angel episode. Uh, it's in Series 5 because they get a bit more threatening. Uh, I will say my issue I've had with this episode is uh, Murray Gold's score I absolutely love, but they really love to use the strings motif anytime an angel moves <laughs> ever so yeah. slightly. It was always like, there. Like, budget was like, yeah, I was it's okay. Fine, I, I was okay with it. <laughs> it's corny, but I do like. I love it. But it, it, I was like, I noticed it after a bit. Um, and Sally then needs to ask her who the letter's from, and the man says it's from Kathy herself, originally called Kathy Nightingale. And she's like, "Oh, this must be a joke." But the man assures her that it isn't, and we hear a bang. Hey, this goes Kathy's on gone. for a long time. A long time. This is sick. What are you doing? Oh no. <laughs> Carrie, Carol, whatever her name is. Oh, oh the poor guy's just sitting there going, no, no, it, it's true. It, 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 it's, it's like hella true. Oh, this was, this was something. It was, it was great to see because it, it's, it's establishing all the rules and everything. So we can see her there. I really, I like how they have Kathy there as it's happening. And then right when the name said she disappears, so she can't yeah. technically have a paradox happen. It, it makes sense in the continuity, even if it's really contrived. It is. Um, and as she thinks that it's a joke, Kathy's disappeared and uh, she's suddenly in a field surrounded by loads of cows. And she asks a random farmer where she is. And he's like, you're in Hull in 1920, according to a newspaper. And she thinks it's a joke as well. And we go back to Sally, uh, where the man is saying that he made a promise to his grandma that he would deliver this after she died, which was 20 years ago. And he shows her all the old photos of it. And she looks exactly like Kathy. 
And then Sally begins to read the letter from Kathy recalling her last 87 years before the episode is set. And that's sort of our, it's, it's our plot point, our device of explaining, okay, here's a little mystery for now, and it's all spooky as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't, the good thing is they'll always be consistent, and they will move in time and place to an unpredictable location. <laughs> that's the important part, is this isn't going to be the only time we see this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. And uh, then Sally storms upstairs looking for Kathy, but she only finds more statues shielding their eyes, bit of foreshadowing for later, but one's holding a key on a string. And this is where I started to write the episode really loves the string motif because it happens <laughs> every, every second anything happens. Uh, Sally then leaves with a key, but she's only barely uh, escapes from being touched by an angel. And uh, the man's <laughs> is that intentional? Is that intentional? Yeah. Touch my. Yeah. Are you aware of Touch My Angel? Yeah. Oh my word! What was what was society thinking, man? We, <laughs> I'll walk with you till the sun don't even shine. If you had asked me before, like anything about, I would not have known it. The minute you said Touch My Angel, I'll walk with you. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and then the man's left. Sally tries to run after him, but it's too late. And now all the angels are looking out the window ominously. I'm loving angels instead. <laughs> and through it all, Sally's reading her letter in a cafe. And uh, <laughs> the, way, uh, I wish yeah. the doctor offered her protection. <laughs> uh, Sorry. But at least Lawrence will offer her some love and affection. There we, whether it's and, right uh, or wrong. Yeah. She's, uh, she's recalling her time since traveling back to 1920 in the letter. And she fell in love with the, with a man who first found her and told her this, this was whole. <laughs> Way to play and- the fields, Carol. <laughs> a literal field. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she tells her that she also named her child Sally after her. And uh, she asked Sally one thing, which is to tell her brother Lawrence what happened in a in a non-weird way. Now, hang on for a minute. Two things. Number one, if Carol's not a billionaire, then she's grossly misplayed this thing she could have done. Because every invention there ever was, get it on the ground floor. She doesn't know the rules. She was just zapped back in time. Get that She's the only bank. one who does. Get that bank. Uh, number two would be, you know, you waited 60 years for the perfect thing to say to Sally. You can't yeah. think of like three bits to say to your brother. Oh, just leave it to Sally. I only had enough ink and paper for the one letter. I know you'll do a good job with the boy that you only <laughs> met yesterday when he was naked and it was really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. And uh, it would have been really fun. It would have been really funny if some other doctor had like caused a reason for him to like get drunk the night before. So that's why he was naked. <laughs> that would have been funny. Hey, hey, I've got a, I've got a dare for you. Be naked. <laughs> I don't want it to be creepy with the guy, but just get him liquored up. And <laughs> uh, Lawrence works at a video, uh, a DVD store. Which oh, that's aged oh, so well. DVDs. Remember when there were stores specifically for DVDs and VHS? But yeah, DVDs. If you think about it, in the grand scheme of things, DVDs weren't around for. Were DVDs around longer than VHS in the long run? Maybe they were. Uh, I think. Well, DVDs. DVDs VHS I think hits nine two thousand two. VHS goes what eighty five to. The early two, about 15 years. I guess DVDs have about the yeah. same run. I remember my last VHS I probably got in 2005. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but, you know, 
Let's talk about a technology that was the right place at the right time for something yeah. like this. Because you couldn't do Easter eggs with VHS. You couldn't do that. Nah. It would have to be something. So it's really like perfect, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is when we got, start to see uh, the doctor's messages playing again. And he's sort of just saying random words, like quite possibly, afraid so. And this is when Sally and Lawrence properly meet uh, in with clothes. And Sally's trying to figure out what to tell him and just says that uh, Kathy's just gone for a, for a work thing and that she she loves him and he thinks that she's ill or, or he's ill. Uh, but at the same time as they're talking, the TV keeps on pausing as the doctor starts to talk about time being wibbly wobbly and, and timey wimey balls of stuff. And uh, Sally's unsure what it is because she noticed it from the night before and she asks what exactly these videos are. And Lawrence just says that he was checking to see if they're all the same because he's got multiple copies and he reckons it's hidden DVD Easter eggs that no one knows about on <laughs> 17 random DVDs. But because these DVDs haven't been around for that long, really, in 2007, yeah. he's got to explain to um, Sally and therefore to the audience yeah. what an Easter egg is and why it exists. It's so, I remember there was this crazy time where everyone was like, oh, you need to check out what's on this and that. There were, there were so many DVDs I used to have where that was the the big gimmick of check what else is on like the, I, I want to say like the, the Blair Witch ones and some of the Doctor Who's because they will have like little secret bonus clips. When I first bought, um, when I first, yeah, when I first was buying DVDs, I mean, the special features, but not the Easter eggs necessarily, but the special features yeah. were a huge part of it. And then that was about a year and a half, two years. And then I almost like <laughs> never went back and watched. It just became, you know, it's just the mode by which you watch your media now. Yeah. But I remember the original Matrix was really excellent as far as mm. the interactive DVD went. So if you had a chance, big up. All, I mean, you can do it all on YouTube now, but at the time it was, yeah. it was, it was sensational. Well, that's the, that's the reason that Blu-ray was such a big thing for ages because it was like you can you can find the Easter eggs in the movies Seamless, at the same yeah. time. So for like about three years after Blu-ray happened, there was like if you pause at this certain moment and wait a second, this will happen. You can unlock this and all and all that. And then uh, it's 2021 and no one does that anymore, and it makes me sad. I miss commentary tracks. Yeah, no, I'm 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 right there with you. Yeah, yeah. But, but now we have the internet, so we have like fan-made commentary tracks. Heck, we've done one. Yeah. And yeah. if, if you want to listen to one, go check out our our, our watch along of Tall Girl, oh. <laughs> our April Fool's joke. <laughs> Tall Girl on a uh, on a TV near you. Netflix is up. Oh, fun! And uh, from this point, we find out that these these Easter eggs uh, on these seventeen random DVDs are unknown to the publishers themselves. They don't know how they show up. He's just sort of a, an Easter egg ghost almost. But Lawrence uh, believes that this is a half conversation, which I'm going to say later on in the episode, of course it would be a, a half conversation when yeah. he's written down that this is a transcript. Yeah. He's got half of the transcript. Yep. Yeah. Little, little inconsistency. but Here in the I'm video shop, it. it's like, no, it's just too perfect. I'm not having it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh this is when it unpauses again and the doctor then talks about uh it being time being a big wall, ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff and sally then responds to it saying oh, i got away from you and then he says yeah i got away from me for for a second and sally starts to freak out and and shout at the tv after the doctor says that he can <laughs> hear her and uh lawrence comes back very confused and just says that he's got the list of dvds 
And as she goes to leave, uh, the, the shop owner is uh, watching some television, uh, a, a cop drama or something. And he shouts at the TV, go to the police, you stupid woman. And that gives Sally the idea to finally go to the police and tell them the, the crazy story that they don't believe uh, until she says the house's name of Wester Drumlins. Yep. And it's, it's pouring down with rain at the time, which will come back later. And uh, while she's waiting for someone to appear to talk to her about Wester Drumlins, Sally sees two angels in a church opposite the police station. And she stares at them, blinks, and they disappear. And the motif plays again. Yep, if you pretty much you can set your watch by it in this one. Yeah. And uh, we sort of see that as she's looking out the window, we see uh, a shot from outside and the, the angels have crossed the side of the street. I have no idea how, considering there would be people outside, but we're going to ignore that. Because <laughs> There's dramatic, nobody dramatic. on the whole street <laughs> watching the angels. Um, and no oh, one's I, reacting I have... to the fact there's just statues in the middle of London. Nobody yeah. else notices. All fine. And um, this is when D.I. Billy Shipton, the hero of this episode, shows up and immediately swoons for Sally. Uh-huh. And uh, he's about to go off his shift, but he sees how cute she is. So he shows her a garage full of cars whose owners all disappeared outside of West of Drumlands. And some even with the engine still running. But there's, an, there's a, a car here that isn't a car, which is the TARDIS, just yep. there. Yep. And he says the doors to the phone box are locked shut, but he doesn't think it's real because uh, the, the windows are too big and, and the phone is, is a dummy phone. Basically, no he, criticizes, he criticizes the original BBC production team who put together the first TARDIS. <laughs> there's some, which is really funny in retrospect of considering it's, whole goal is supposed to blend in and it can't even do that yep and uh, this is when uh, he goes to ask the big question about all of this uh, crazy happenings which is uh, to ask Sally for a drink because life is short and she is hot according to Billy yeah uh, I wish I had a female um, sort of perspective on this um, it's the use of the word hot I mean you know it's alright but I'm just like alright okay yeah but no, he calls a shot and she's up for it. I think it depends because he does it in such a, in a very non-threatening way. He's very sweet, respect, respectable, oh. I think, about most of it. Oh, this this guy is like the... He's the best. He is the safest take him home to mother kind of guy ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, he he just charmed the pants of everyone. I, I do love uh, D.I. <laughs> Billy Shipton. And uh, he gives uh, him her phone number and she calls herself Sally Shipton and That's then right. corrects herself saying, oh, I'm being Sparrow. Don't look at me. And is she- don't look at me. Which is kind of funny, actually. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't yeah. look at me with the Weeping Angels. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, entertaining. I mean, this whole thing is very, like the jokes, I think, land considering like it's, it's few and far between, but they're very, very like, they, they help the tone. And uh, as she leaves, Billy sees a ton of angels that have all of a sudden surround the phone box and does the smart thing and walks up to them, stares at one and blinks. And as that happens, the music gets all intense and Sally looks at the key she found as she exits and realizes maybe that's the key to the police box and goes to see if uh, that's the case to see if the key fits. But the box is gone. Dun, dun, dun. 
And as we see this, Billy slammed against a random wall and is greeted by the Doctor and Martha in 1969. Martha, who I'm really like, oh, I'm glad to say, we're not seeing Martha. We did oh. Martha dirty with this list. <laughs> much like the Doctor and much like the show, we've done Martha dirty. It's yeah. a shame because some of my favorite stories are Martha. I really like, I came in not liking Martha yeah. when I watched it first. I was talking to a friend who kind of introduced me to Doctor Who. Yeah. And uh, she told me, um, I was like, no, I'm not feeling Martha. He goes, no, no, Martha's so good. And I was like, I'm not feeling it. And she uh, she said, stick with her. Stick with her. Martha Jones is very good. And yes, I'm here to say Martha Jones is very good. And we've done her Martha's dirty. Martha's great. I yeah. mean, it's, it's a, it is a shame. She gets one series on this and then she goes and does Torchwood as a show. And then she kind of disappears for a bit. But no, I... There were a lot of episodes we wanted to choose. We just didn't have time. And if we, that's right, if, if, we, if you're a Martha Jones fan out there, Ethan does not like Martha Jones. So you want to direct oh, your no, hate? No, no, I'm joking. I'm totally joking. Martha Jones is my favorite, probably one of my favorite companions. I think. See, like, you first went favorite, and then you choked on the lie as it was in your throat. It went <laughs> one of my favorites. Well, I have, I have a couple. Like, yeah, yeah. we'll, 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 get, we'll get there. We'll get there. If we if we get to do a series two of this, oh, I've got a lot of good Martha episodes, and just that means one. Everybody series. means one more yeah, episode, we, and that was blink. No, uh, series three has a lot of fantastic episodes, and it was very it difficult. Does. To choose. It does, yeah. It was difficult to choose one episode, yeah. But we had to do the most iconic, and also make time for 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 Jody. So we'll we'll do it. We'll do some some time travel later. Yep. And uh, we say hi to them, and this is when the Doctor informs Billy and us that he's time-traveled because he's been killed by the Weeping Angels, which are the the, the, the nicest killers in the universe because they send you back in time and they just live off your, your potential energy from what would have happened in your life. Tell you what, uh, they were really nice to Billy sending him back to 1967 so he could hang out with the Doctor. He, he didn't go to Hull in 1920. No, he got to stay nah, in he London. Gets to go to, he gets to go to 1969 to see the moon landing. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, he owes all of it. Uh, there was something so I I, th- I can't remember if it said uh, later. Did on, you say the Beatles? In... Yeah, by nineteen sixty nine, I mean they got like one year left. Well, he gets to see them for a year. He gets to see them break up. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, there was something I can't remember written. But the reason that the the time is so varied is because. Um, there are several different types of weeping angels and the ones that send Billy back in time are supposed to be sort of the younger ones, the weaker ones, because they haven't had that much uh, like life energy and potential energy to feed. Oh, yeah, it's 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 a total cop out. I'm like, glad that when the pawns show up, they totally send them to different timelines. That's the important yeah. part. Yeah. Jeez. And uh, this is the the whole thing. They kill you nicely. They send you back in time and just feed off what would have happened to your potential because they're from uh, some uh, a universe outside of existence. I think the doctor says, which to be fair might lead in very well for Flux, but I I don't trust Chibnall. Um, and this is when he says that he has a message that uh, Billy needs to send to Sally Sparrow, but it's going to take him a a long long time. And for, for Sally, it's only been about 20 minutes and she gets a phone call from Billy uh, asking to see him and she has to go to a hospital where he's now an old man lying in bed. Yeah. And for him, it's been a whole life for her, 20 minutes, and it was raining when they met and she even says it's the same rain. Had, find out. had there been enough between them yet that this meant anything? 
the show wanted me scene. the show wanted me to care about this we needed one more scene maybe another scene which like i i cared about it but i think it's because he's just he's so charming he's so charming but i wanted another scene eh. Mm. Eh. and uh we find out billy got married also to a sally who gets to become a shipton and he wanted to look for her during his time that he was trying to catch up with himself, but he was told it would tear apart the fabric of space and time. And this plus, is when he, plus he lost his hair. Yeah, plus he lost his <laughs> hair. And uh, he says the doctor told him to tell her to, to look at the list of the DVDs. And uh, this is where we find out Billy gave up being a policeman after he transported and he became a publisher for books then CDs, then D- for VHS, then DVDs, he, and it turns out Billy a, was the one. He lives a very medium story. life. Like at sixty-seven, you go back to discover the great bands publish them. He should be a billionaire. He should be, but the doctor says, "Like I need you to do one menial task that might help later on for me to he, get my TARDIS he, back." He dedicates his life for Sally Shipton, who he met once. Oh, Sally, Sally Sparrow. Sorry, yes, Sally, Sally Sparrow. Oh, um. And then he was saying that, uh, that they only got to meet once again on the night that he died. And it was something he had to look forward to, to see her one last How time. does he know any of this? A random man pops up with a machine that does timey-wimey stuff and can boil eggs at 30 paces. Of course know. you'll believe him. I would... I don't know. I would guess that maybe the doctor came back and told him again after he gets his... Tardis, but this seems silly. It's it's that Doctor Who timey wimey Moffat stuff that he he lo- he loves to do. Yeah, and, fair enough. And from from there, uh, Billy Billy dies. She spends uh, her his final moments with him as the rain stops, and she calls Lawrence and realizes that the seventeen DVDs on the list are all the ones she owns, where Lauren says the exact same question I had, which is, she only owns 17 DVDs. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the joke we used to make about Ellie when she started the podcast. She's only seen yeah. eight films. So same kind of <laughs> idea, yeah. Yeah. To be fair, 2007, I guess DVDs haven't been around for, for that long. But uh, she tells uh, Lawrence to come to Western Drumlins to watch the video, which I don't understand the concept behind because they could just watch it in safety at his yeah uh but then this is when they play the doctor's video and she starts to talk to the recording and he's the doctor yep that's me and we find out lawrence has a has a transcript of everything the doctor says and as the conversation between sally and the recorder doctor go on lawrence starts to write it down uh in shorthand between the two and sally just wants to know what's going on and that's when we get the uh, another big bit of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. And the reason the Doctor can know everything that uh, Sally's saying is because he has a finished part of the transcript that he got in the future before he got sent back in time. Because timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. Yep. And this is when he says the the iconic line that Lawrence has on his T-shirt of, well, the angels have the, the phone box, the statues have the blue box. And this yep. is where we find out again, they're creatures from another world called the Lonely Assassins. And the, the way that they kill is because they're quantum locked. They can only kill uh, when they're not seen. And so they freeze when they're seen. So they have to cover their eyes because if they see each other, that means they'll be frozen in place forever, which is their, 
they're easy way for them to figure out how to nerf them later on. And the reason all this has happened, the did we mention the is, sorry, did we do mention they can't even see each other? Did you say that? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. They can't look at each other because then they'll yeah. be stuck. Um, so this is where we find out the whole reason this is happening is because the Doctor needs the TARDIS because if the angels get hold of it, they could then feast on all of the time energy in the TARDIS and destroy space-time itself. And that's when the transcript then finishes because that's all they have because there turns out to be an angel watching them. Lawrence is supposed to be looking at it, but he tries to rewind it and takes his eye off the angel, which moves very close to them very suddenly and it shows its teeth going in for the kill so sally decides to run away to the front door and just leaves all of it to lawrence to keep his eyes on it at all times (laughs) to me to you oh she totally she totally screws this guy over well i'm I'm sure in her head she's like well his his sister's gone might as well just let him try to see it too (laughs) captain underpants here yeah, we find out that the angels have locked the door, meaning that Sally and Lawrence can't get to the TARDIS. And Lawrence, being an idiot, looks away for a second to see if Sally's okay, and it gets even closer to him. And uh, then, thankfully, Sally finds a, uh, a cellar, and they make their way slowly to the cellar, and it's dark with barely any light, with one one light bulb illuminating the entire area, with the TARDIS surrounded by more weeping angels. And Lawrence's angels follow them too and points at the light bulb, turning out the lights slowly where we get the, the strobe effect of the angels uh, moving closer and closer and closer, which the first time I watched this was absolutely terrifying. They should have been done a thousand times trying to get in the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. They should have been done a thousand times. This the is ridiculous. The second it goes off, you, you, you're done. This is ridiculous. Um, I know it's more for the audience perspective, but they really play fast and loose with the rules of how fast are these angels going to move. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, part of me thinks it's them toying because they can feed off the fear, but that's never established until much But The number of on. times both of them are looking at the key while it's trying to go in the lock. I mean, this is dead simple. Yeah. One of you do the lock. One of you stare straight ahead so they can't get you. Yeah. Stupid. But uh, I will say... Forget I don't did blink. A, this should have been called don't think. I did a Doctor Who experience thing uh, 10 years ago, I think. It was when they were doing halfway through Series 6 for my birthday. And the, the concept of it is uh, the Doctor's in the Pandorica. So this is essentially just after Series 5. They're trapping them in the Pandorica What's again. What's the Pandorica? We'll find we'll out find in about out six episodes. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the audience, the members of this exhibition, need to go through all these different set pieces to try and save the Doctor. And one of them is um, a, a forest of weeping angels. And the way that they do it is very similar to this scene where they have uh, light bulbs underneath each statue of a weeping angel and the room's pitch black. So uh, oh, okay. the lights will illuminate underneath each angel. So it gives the illusion of movement. Yeah. They give this illusion that every so often when the lights flicker on and off, that's when they then appear. That's Really cool. clever, yeah. really well done. And I've heard that they've then updated this to be even more impressive uh, at the London Thames uh, Time Fracture exhibition, which is... I really want to do at some point because yeah. I, I perfect for uh, for Doctor Who. Can you and say I want to do? Have. Can you start with I want to do it again sometime or something yeah. like that? I really want to do that sometime because it's it's literally like a Doctor Who experience for two hours where you then are going through time to save the Doctor, and wow. it, it, it's it's based on Time Lord Victorious. Oh, okay, cool. 
Yeah, so the events of what Time Lord Victorious does causes time fractures, and when we do Water of Mars, I will give the, the barest bones explanation oh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, no, I think it's it's terrifying, and this is like the, the precursor to how well they can make that look. And it, does, it looks great with the way the music is done and the sound effects, even if it doesn't entirely make sense and kind of contradicts what the Weeping Angels do, but it looks terrifying. And thankfully... As they're slowly making their way to Sally and Lawrence, uh, they unlock the door uh, to the TARDIS and enter the console room, and they don't really react to it being bigger on the inside, but they've already experienced uh, killing angels, so uh, I'll, I'll give them a pass. And this one, we get another Doctor Who. <laughs> it would have been great if it did that thing where, like everybody yeah. else does, you have to get out and walk around it. <laughs> that's how they get mugged by the angels. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> that's how Lawrence gets got. He's like, Lawrence, what'd you do? Try oh, to that's see. funny. It's bigger on the inside. I that's love funny. that. Um, but the Doctor hologram appears much like nines, but he's updated it this time, so it's ten. And he's like, I've, I've noticed you got a DVD. And a disc slot appears, and the disc is glowing because it knows that it needs to be put in, like some kind of quest item in a video game. And they put it in the disc slot, and it, the TARDIS starts to take off. But at the same time this is happening, the angels are holding the TARDIS and shaking it back and forth, which um, some, some behind the scenes, the way this was done is they had uh, the angels surrounding it, and they had two members of the production team inside the TARDIS just running at the ends of the box <laughs> to try and make it shake, which is absolutely hilarious. And uh, while the TARDIS takes off, the interior starts to uh, disappear around them. Uh, leaving the angel surrounding Lawrence and uh, Sally in the circle. And right as you think they're going to get caught as they're screaming at the doctor for betraying them, turns out the angel was staring at each other the entire time as it disappears, and they were tricked into freezing and turning to stone forever. Bull squat, bull squirt. That guy's way too tall. There's (laughs) There's a time when the two opposite each other are not staring at each other. I'll, I'll, I think there's a part of them where, like, I I believe, I have no idea if it's proven at any point, but the second they lock eyes, that's when they freeze forever. But it's like a reverse Medusa, I think. But it's never, they've never really gone that far into it. Uh, but it's a year later now, and Sally and Lawrence See, now That's work funny, because the, the year later only appears on the broadcast version, not on the syndicated versions. Really? Yeah. Wow. Never noticed that in the in the uh, iPlayer version it does. I don't know if did the, it really the Netflix. Yeah, the iPlayer version does because the Netflix stuff cuts uh, a lot in the the the, the Master Three part. Or they cut like full scenes because of uh, music copyright because the scissors just didn't let Netflix take their uh, their songs. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, apart it, it's there for that, which is why I always say use uh, iPlayer because you you lose a lot. And the Netflix one is like the American version, so they have the. Uh, when I was a little girl, a man appeared to me at the, at the beginning of every series. So I've got, but yeah, in the syndicated and DVD version, that shot's been removed. Oh. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's so weird. Yeah. And so I guess uh, a year's passed. We've got different timelines now. <laughs> it's it's, and, it's uh, not linear, is it? <laughs> no, not anymore. Uh, it's a bit Jeremy Baramy, I'd say. And, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, do that. <laughs> Turns out Sally's still got her file full of all the Weeping Angels events to eventually give to the Doctor or figure out what to do with them in, in case he appears. And Lawrence is just saying it's getting in the way of uh, of certain things, possibly a relationship. It's just like, we're friends, that's all. I'm like, okay, yeah. like, what is this? This is weird. 
we just work in a shop yeah and um but the right shop is called the shop is called um uh sparrow and nightingale yeah, yeah, which I think is sweet. That was nice. And uh, yeah, Lawrence goes to uh, to get some milk uh, to fill up the refrigerator. And as he leaves, a taxi pulls up with the doctor and Martha. I have no idea why they're in a taxi, but um, whatever. I think it would have worked better if they they heard the TARDIS. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. See, I want more of this stuff in Doctor Who, and there's not enough of it when you're running into each other. With the, I think we've talked about this before. I want to see yeah. Capaldi bump into the ponds, and they have no idea who he is, and he has to restrain himself from saying anything. Yeah. That would be cool. And you've got the cast. Like, you tell me you can't bump into Wilf? How great would that be? Uh, would have been would have been nice. Yeah, I'm just kind of because Cribbins has always said he's up for coming back. To, yeah, to like I want to see more of this sort of stuff, or more things where they run into a doctor and he doesn't know who they are yet because it hasn't happened yeah. in his time. Like, like had a stuff that was River Song and only River Song for some reason. Yeah, I think it, it, it it's cool. Maybe with uh, Russell T Davies we might get that, especially with some. Like, some wolf stuff even if i just passed him on the street and he kind of does a double take and that's all it is but for the long-serving yeah. fans you're like oh, that was oh my god yeah. <laughs> that would be great yeah. uh so it turns out that this is uh before the events of the weeping angels and the doctor and martha are going on a different adventure uh and and she's got a bow and arrow <laughs> yeah there's i think they said it's like a migration or or yeah. something yeah. It, it was like he's got to do uh three thing do with three things in a lizard he says yeah. And uh, that's when Sally realizes everything that happened, all the information that he knew was because of her, the experience that she lived before. And that's when we then get our bootstrap paradox of who actually caused the first thing to happen. And uh, she hands in the file. They bid their farewells. And then as she says goodbye, she holds Lawrence's hand. So that uh, two seconds of romantic uh, arguing gets paid off immediately. Is this like the only thing to stop? If, you know, it's like I need to be laser focused to make sure if a doctor's there, I see him and a relationship will stop me from seeing him. <laughs> I think she thinks she needs to be, she always needs to be on the lookout. And if she's like, got it, imagine it's like, oh, I could have saved the day, but I had date night because I was like, focusing on making spaghetti. If you think about this, the very fact that she ended up in the house with the wallpaper proves at some point she bumps into the doctor again. Yeah. Like it, 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 it just it just has to happen or else you wouldn't be here that would be a paradox so yeah she needs to just chill chill yeah i'm doing a quick check because i remember they had a a sequel essentially to this uh where it would then appear in like some magazines of stuff that happened later but it it was a dvd extra and oh, okay. a webisode so i'm not including that because uh, that, that's not fair nope. um and from there, as she wishes the doctor good luck, we see loads of statues as the intense oh, music geez. starts to blare, as the doctor then begins to say, don't blink, don't close your eyes, don't look away, don't blink, good luck. And, and sta- then the episode ends. In a country like England, where you all love a statue. Yeah. Yep. Even the horses are statues. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a great standalone episode. There's not much of yeah. a doctor. He's on the periphery. Poor Martha Jones is on the periphery in her only episode that we're giving her uh, until we see her yeah. again for about five seconds later on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but you know what? It's a great and it's a great introduction to the Weeping Angels. Yeah. 
And this was actually uh, also to test the grounds for a future companion, because after doing Blink, they did ask um, Carrie Mulligan, who played Sally, if she'd want to be a companion, but she said no. So they then were like, okay, we'll see if Catherine Tate's a Wow, really? Because I thought yeah. Carrie Mulligan was fantastic in this. Yeah. Better and than the Karen guy. Karen Mulligan's gone on to do a lot of stuff. Great Gatsby. Is she the girl who's yeah. in Promising Young Female? Is that her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her. yeah. yeah. But no, she, she's had a, a great career. I didn't check uh, who played Lawrence because I, I can't recognize him from, from anything. But uh, Lawrence was played by uh, Larry Nightingale, Finley Robertson. According I mean, to Wikipedia, he's a British actor. Really? He studied history at Cambridge University. He has more than 40 screen credits, but the world's smallest Wikipedia article. So wow. he currently lives in North London with his wife and family. Aww. He appeared That's also, fair. he reprised his role in the Doctor Who spinoff game, The Lonely Assassins. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that was either a, a phone game that came out like yeah. a year or two ago. Oh, something. oh, he's but. appeared in the film Alfie. That's terrible. Cockneys versus zombies. I just got to see this at some point. Oh, no, I, yeah. I saw that. Not good. Oh, did you really? Okay. Yeah, that was one of the ones that you watch when you like want to see a bad film. Yeah, so yeah, such is, such is. But no, it's an episode. It's a, it's a good Dr. Light episode. Every uh, series from two onwards always has a Dr. Light episode to help with, um, you know, schedules and all that series two had love and monsters this has blink series four has uh turn left and etc etc but i think as a, as a standalone doctor who episode without the doctor it does a really good job yep yep i think it does a great job and it makes you wait for the doctor and sometimes that can be a payoff we talked about that in, mm -hmm. in rose if you make people wait and drip feed them bits that can be beneficial and the uh the device of this pre-recorded message and then was watching how that plays into stuff uh was was a fun little storytelling mm. um con concept so yeah enjoyed it i'm not the biggest on blink overall there's uh, there's there's people seem to really 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 rate this highly i like it yeah uh, i think it's good yeah like i'm giving this an eight out of ten. Oh yeah see legacy alone makes me want to go eight and a half i'm gonna go eight i'm gonna go eight it is a solid yeah. and i love a good solid one-parter yeah. not a two-parter not don't have to wait till next week it's self it's self-contained i enjoy it uh carrie mulligan's fantastic i wasn't as big on the guy um and it's got a few plot holes it's got a couple it, it defies its own it's, internal logic a few yeah. times if what is doctor who if not contradicting itself that's where blue like, wobbly yeah, and as we as we continue the show, it's just going to get more convoluted and more contradicted, and it it'll it'll be great. But no, yeah. I'm I'm going I'm I'm thinking about the same. I'm going eight and a half solely because I think the presentation and the reveal of the Weeping Angels has done really well, even if I really really hate the um the motif they use every time they do anything <laughs> yeah but it, it it does its job the music is really really good there's yeah. this uh, nice mix of like the intense music gets sort of techno at points as if it's like a phone call trying to get through and i i like that to sort of modernize it ever so slightly to show it's not just the doctor i also like episodes that feel small in scope and yeah. we stick pretty local it's one self-contained story 
Uh, it's not even about uh, about a companion, which really does Martha dirty. Then <laughs> she gets one yeah. series and not even this. But um, but no, I like that, and so I like the whole gamut gone. And then next week we reset and go. What are we doing next? Hmm. Especially because the 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 big the big threat. It is world-ending and cataclysmic, but it's so small and minute that the the big MacGuffin of this is the TARDIS. And I do like it, it means you don't have to use the TARDIS set at all. You just get to use the yep. the, the box. It's this took like maybe seven days, I believe, to film. Because it, it's such a quick turnaround. I don't know what to do with this concept that the TARDIS can travel and not take the person who starts it up for long for the ride. It can and can't. Because there are points where there's been other like, times when, like you know, like Jackie, for instance, that would have been a yeah. total sensible reason to leave her be. But oh, whoops, Jackie's with us. I think it's because the Doctor programmed it so that the angels would get tricked by it, and also that also the TARDIS is kind of alive, and it's a concept that yeah. we we deal with a lot. There was um weirdly there's a canon story uh short story that they made during covid which was a, a long running thing but uh the events of doctor who that we see is the tv show was um through the tardis's recording mechanism that uh the doctor's granddaughter susan implemented right before the events of an unearthly child to so the first episode so everything we then see are the events of the doctor and the canon watching order i guess of it of the stories is the doctor the 13th doctor reliving it in between her times away from her companions i'll tell you what at some point we gotta do if we do a series two we gotta do yeah. uh the episode with the tardis is is a human yeah yeah that's a good one and and, and unless there's there's an episode like toronto Oh, okay. Hang on. Yeah, this this list is very timey wimey. It's ever changing, ever expanding. We we I I moved some stuff around, but uh, there, right. there's a couple that definitely stayed. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, but the the usual shebang. So favorite moment, I guess. Oh, I think it's the. I think it's. I'm kind of cheating and doing it throughout, but it's any time they were engaging with the doctor and his pre-recorded setup, and you got to be frustrated yeah. by it and then fulfilled by it, and seeing the pieces come together. And I really appreciated that. It's very, it's very clever, and it's such, it's such a basic concept, especially for time travel. And I do, I do really like that because the way that obviously it's not interaction, but it is interaction. I think is is really cool, and it makes us think for a second that there is more to it than there is. Um, I'm. I would go that, but I'm gonna go just the concept of weeping angels in general because I think it's such a it's such a basic, interesting premise that they're really able to expand upon. Even if it does have inconsistencies at points, I think the presentation to make something so something in a graveyard that's supposed to represent, you know, moving on, spiritual spirits ascending to heaven, destroying. Yep. anything in its path to feast on potential i think is really interesting and sinister and always not being able to turn your back on something because you need the second there's this there's this concept um online these these uh for uh game design in which when a, a video and game character in first person looks forward the world around them disappears yeah and then when they look back the world comes back and it's sort of in that same sense that the second you turn your back on anything, reality doesn't exist behind you, so anything can happen. 
And I think that it's so terrifying with the weeping angels that that creates like its own sense of dread that you never know if something's creeping up on you. And I really like that as a concept. It's not done perfect in this, but the seeds are planted so well for future stories. Like I said, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate the weeping angels. I understand. And it's good. We need some. Yeah. It's nice that we've built the rogues gallery of Doctor Who, if you will, with a few more newer threats that rather than, yeah. you know, when now when the weeping angels come back, it's all oh, it's the weeping angels where before that was really the Daleks and the Cybermen. And it was really just that. So it's one of about four or five new ones that seem to have had some oomph to it since uh since yeah. since the relaunch when someone says like oh the, the these new villains like if you could name them i wouldn't be like oh yes the slavine the pating cassandra all of these i'm like the weeping angels the silence yep. and the gas mask mummies those are like the uh, most iconic terror and, and the, and the, the waters of mars creatures and the ood before the baby face yeah and and the ood yeah, yeah. and it's it's such a well done thing especially because it establishes doctor who i think this is when everyone goes oh doctor who has some really scary concepts this is this then becomes hide behind the sofa normal day stuff like if we go back to you know the plastic monsters and pizza you know (laughs) two years before i mean two it's not been that long and the Mm. farting slovene you know what i mean like we've gone from that to this it's it's a completely different form of storytelling and you can see because moffat did are you my mummy we talked about that already this episode yeah. right so you yeah. he got it you can see even then he got it and now he's sort yeah. of taking it and running with it even though it's not his fully to run with yet it is clear he is the heir apparent at this time and this this series really understands the concept of like stories and villains and and monsters you have the the first appearance of the jadoon you have um, the 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 master. You have you have everything. You really throw every possible scary thing in there. It was just a shame we couldn't do more for series three. But there is there is so so much. Tough luck, Martha Jones. <laughs> We, we might see her later on. Who knows, depending to, on some stories. To quote a future companion, am I bothered? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, I, I'm gonna, I, was, I will say, what's your least favorite? Because I think kind of what it might be. Favorite part of this? Uh, least favorite. Oh, geez. Um, I think it's just the inconsistency. So, you know, yeah. we're writing the rules to them and I guess that's okay. It just, uh, what's his name? The, 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 the copper ending up in the same place in time as the doctor felt extremely convenient when the previous person went to 1920 in Hull. I feel that one I can kind of explain away because he has like a machine that can uh well, I can locate you. I mean, geez, yeah. what, what if he'd been sent to Shanghai or what I if he'd been no sent idea. to 1950 and he had to wait 20 years before he's found by the doctor? Oh, it's, to, it's total plot convenience. Oh, but, that was my issue. Like stuff like that. Yeah. But you're, 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 I'm not even sure if I knew what they had yet with the Weeping Angels. No. So fair, I guess fair enough. I, I would have liked them both to have gone to that time frame and not just the one, I suppose. Yeah. But, but that's me. It, yeah, they, they will. Don't ask I, me I, what my number one problem is and then try and explain it away. Oh, no. I was trying to explain it in the way of the show. <laughs> it's it's convoluted, yeah. but it's 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 a totally reasonable explanation. Like, 
reason to dislike something. What about yours? Um, I think it's the inconsistency of the 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 weeping angels and when they do stuff because the lights off they can do it the lights like then i think it depends and it's totally for like explained later on in other stories of they like to feed off the fear as well and the more they toy with it the more they they can just like get more energy because of the fear totally get that to what end is it just to sustain your life uh no they just they just feed off it it's like it's like if they they don't die they just eat right right it's i get like, that but like do, yeah. do you have to like do, do they get to a point where they're they're satiated and they gotta wait a while and then they feast like what's what's going no on they, like there's threat but why are they eating just because it's in their nature to eat when we get round to the pond episode with the weeping angels and their whole plan is you get a new york hotel where they're just surrounded yeah. and they just feed and feed and feed yeah. until someone dies that's a good episode though jeez yeah i i Never fully understood their end game, but there's a lot of Doctor Who villains where the end game doesn't make sense. But like world domination can do so much, yeah. but this isn't about world domination. This is just power, I guess. I guess, yeah. I think it's it's explained later on in a story, and I have to if if there's if there's a mistake, I'll add I'll add it. But I want to see. We talked wanna, about the feast. Cybermen facing off with the, the, the Daleks. I want yeah. a Dalek interrogating a weeping angel and getting mad because they won't respond. Respond. <laughs> answer me. Can a weeping angel disarm a Dalek? Is like, a Dalek ever really watching them, or are they watch them through a camera? Is that the same thing? Well, there's the whole thing of a, an image of an angel becomes an angel. If I set up a CCTV way. camera and put it on weeping angel, is it stuck there forever? No, because they have that in the, the Amy two-parter with River Song, and she's staring at a CCTV recording of a, of a weeping angel, and then it becomes real because plot convenience. Okay. Um, and then th- as she blinks, it moves closer and then comes out of the screen as like a thing that's stuck in her eye. And What if I'm recording it? How does it know it's being watched via a computer screen? I want to say, but I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, really I'm, I'm, I'm poking holes yeah. in episodes that don't exist. It's, it's, that's right, a, that we're not doing right now. Yeah, it, it makes no sense, but we'll, we'll go with that. And from that, I think we, we've done our ratings. So it's time to go for a, for another voyage. Hey, all right. Back in the for, TARDIS, for everyone. Episode. Yeah, we're going back into the TARDIS for now because... Um, We've got another Christmas special to do. Oh, I like from Halloween to Christmas. I like Christmas. What are we doing? We've said hello briefly and then goodbye immediately to Martha Jones. Don't let the tiredest door hit you in the backside on the way out. Very. To be fair, we've had this is that was a second episode with three management, so I I can't entirely like. That's true. She got Um, she got more screen time. Oh, I do feel really bad, but I will. I will. I'm gonna um, redeem that later on in the future. Uh, I, I promise. Um, we've got another Christmas special with an Australian singer of Kylie Minogue with the Titanic. We're covering the highest viewed ever episode of Doctor Who, Voyage really? of the Damned. Yeah, yeah because. I ch- that's Blink, why I chose it. We didn't talk about the ratings really, but Blink got like six and a half, six point seven million, so not huge yeah. numbers by Doctor Who standards. So yeah, Voyage of the Dam gets thirteen point eight. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it is it is the and big one. That was the reason I chose. I had to choose the the highest viewed episode, even if it could have been bad. But thankfully, it's Voyage of the Damned. Yes, yes, but, yeah. And we'll have all the Bing information on that episode. <laughs> 
coming up next time. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening to this. If you're listening as this episode comes out, we have just released our episode on Beetlejuice. Yes, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, say that a third time and he'll appear. We've also got our real roundtable on the Masters of Disguise. That dropped yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Was it yesterday Um, or was it the week before? No, it was the week before. (laughs) Will there be any uh, short film? We will have had High Maintenance as our newest fun size film uh, out a little bit ago. Yeah, and we're looking for people who are interested in joining us for the BFE quiz night for A New Hope. And get your questions in for our Christmas mailbag. Do we know it's Christmas? <laughs> well, we know at least next episode it, it will be Christmas. Hey, there we are. Hey. With Voyage of the Damned with some heavenly hosts, some David Tennant and some Kylie Minogue. So thank and you so much. And some barbaric Christmas traditions. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to feast upon the people of Turkey. People of Turkey, so, watch out. We'll see you next week. Next episode, even. So... Before that, just make one more thing. Don't turn your back. Don't look away. And don't blink. We'll see you next time. Some more of our players. Uh, a, a family of two people dressed in awful purple. Also so, known as a couple. If the TARDIS has no pilot and starts to crash, it will take the orbit of any planet and safely land them. I think Jody Whitaker's again. I think Jody Whitaker's first episode is the doctor would say, say what now? The meteors didn't even need to happen. No. You know what? You know what the, the captain could have done? He could have just shot midshipman frame the second everyone left and just dive bombed. He could have just like aimed for the earth. <laughs> Doctor Who is built up of contrivances that don't make sense. Yeah. And I think it's solely because everyone's an idiot. 